This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. In these COVID careful days, this service was held outside. We hope you were able to appreciate the sound of the birds and the dogs, as well as the passing trucks and cars. The message of God's word is still clear and audible. We are in a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. It was Jesus' response. It was Jesus' response to the question of the disciples when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so today we are looking at the the part of the prayer, which is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our second reading comes from the gospel according to Mark, and that is chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Let's pray. Lord, as in all of life, there are so many distractions. There are so many reasons we find that it's difficult to hear a word from you or take time to reflect on what you are saying to us. But we give you our ears, our hearts, and pray that your Holy Spirit would speak in a way that we know that we have heard from you, from your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we really mean it when we pray these words? Or is it like a pretend prayer? I have a few pretend prayers that I've heard before. Something like, Dear Lord, help me to relax about all the unimportant details in life. Starting tomorrow, 30 seconds past 7.45 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's a pretend prayer. What about someone who says, Dear Lord, help me to consider other people's feelings, even though they are totally oversensitive <laughs> or another dear Lord I would like you to help me take responsibility for the consequences of my actions even though it's never been my fault <laughs> or what about dear Lord please give me patience and I mean right now <laughs> 
those are pretend prayers. They're not really asking for something that we are wanting. So in the same way when we are praying this, are we sincere or is this another pretense? When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're asking that God would be God here and now, and that the upside down values of this world would be turned right side up. Do you want this in your life and in society? Now those who have traveled uh, in London know about the underground transit and the repeated audible warning, mind the gap, mind the gap. The gap being the space that's between the train platform and the train itself. If you don't mind the gap, you could fall down into the uh, space to your own peril. So this petition, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is stating the obvious, that there is a gap between heaven's will and what happens on earth. There is a gap. Now heaven, as we spoke about two weeks ago, is the spiritual domain of God in which what God wants done is done. The plural, the heavens, are what you see every time you read it in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's always plural to show that heaven is everywhere that God is, and God is everywhere. And it's wherever, everywhere, God's will is being done. And heaven is around us with Jesus opening the door. Heaven is God's kingdom. Earth is God's creation. God turned it over to our care and our rule. And if we dismiss God and treat this world as our kingdom, you see, there's a space, a gap. So the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is close the gap. Please, God, close the gap so that heaven is mirrored on earth. Do you want this? Do you want this in your life and you want this in society? So from the text that we read today, we learn how to have a right picture of the kingdom of heaven. Right picture. We also learn the wrong response to the offer that God gives. And we learn our prayer for God's kingdom. Let's look at the right picture. We heard it from Matthew 22. It's a wedding feast. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who gives a feast.
feast, a wedding banquet for his son. The king is preparing a party. Not just any party. This is a, a feast, a banquet. On July 29, 1981, at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, Prince Charles married Lady Diana, and it was before 3,500 guests, with 750 million viewing on television. Did anyone view that wedding back then? I'm one of those as well. It was said to be the wedding of the century. Now Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a wedding gala to end all galas. And you and I are invited. Now, we've got we to recall that this is going to be strange sounding to those who heard it. You know, John the Baptist, he thought about the kingdom of God as being a great military power that was going to mow over all of God's enemies. The Pharisees, the picture that they had of the kingdom of heaven was that it was a vast courtroom and everyone was gathered and in that courtroom the good were rewarded and those who were unrighteous receive the death penalty. Now, what is your image of the kingdom of heaven that you're praying for? Is it a military takeover? Is it much like a courtroom? Or is it like a wedding banquet? Jesus says, Matthew 22, 2, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son, and he sent his sons to call those who had been invited. A wedding banquet. A wedding banquet is not an awards banquet. Entrance into the kingdom is not earned through good deeds or moral effort. It's not a question of whether you or I are good enough to make the cut. It is not based on reward, but response to the king's invitation. All who accept may enter. So now, as we're praying this prayer, we want to say, now when does this banquet begin? When is it available to earth? What we read in both our texts is that it's now. The feast has begun, and the invitation is out. Do we want to go in? You remember the phrase, the eagle has landed? Neil Armstrong, he said that when he, when the lunar module Apollo 11 landed on the moon, and my father, who flew a Piper Cub for a while, would always say that to the control tower when he made his landing. <laughs> We've used it many times. The eagle has landed. This is, in essence, what Jesus says from Mark 1.15. The time's up. It's fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. Now it's to repent and believe the good news. To repent means to stop going 
in fulfilling your own program for happiness, stop and turn around and face God as we receive him in the person of Jesus Christ. And as we do, we find a wedding banquet. This is not a funeral that we're going to. This is something that brings joy. That's why it's called good news. Jesus teaches us then to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done beginning here with me on earth as it is in heaven. You see, this is how the gap is closed. Now let's look at this wrong response that we hear in Matthew 22. One is of preoccupation, just preoccupied. And the other is opposition. No, I will not. Preoccupation. All right, we've got, you have to smell it now, the well-marbled steaks, they're grilling. The aroma just wafts through the whole banqueting hall. On the table are piles of delicious-looking side dishes. The bottles are uncorked, and the musicians are, are getting their strings tuned to play music. And the king's servants go out, and those who were invited are told, Come, all is now ready. But in verse 3, we hear the response, but they would not come. But what's happening? In the ancient culture, any party had two invitations. The first was a save the date. In other words, we're having a wedding, which we have a wedding and the looters coming up, so you have a save the date card, and you, you, you know you're going to go. But it depends on whether the food is prepared in time and whether all of the guests uh, and the servants are ready. Everything has to be just right when you give the second invitation, which is specific. Now. Now it begins. So we have the second invitation going out. And what we find is a picture of people who said yes at some earlier date, but when the crunch time comes, they're no longer interested. So the king sends out other servants and says, look, <laughs> look at the oxen and the fatted calves. They're grilling right now. Come, everything is ready. Verse 5, but they made light of it and went away. One to his farm, another to his business. Now, you can see it. You can see that smug smile, that shrug of the shoulder. You can see what it's like to kind of roll the eyes. Oh, um, what they do is they turn back to their life of work and responsibility. Friends, this really should give us a chill. Because what we see is it's not those who want to do wrong who don't enter the kingdom. It's those who are preoccupied with life 
as it is. They were invited to a banquet, but they refused in order to do business as usual, life as usual. They were missing an opportunity of a lifetime. <clears throat> so caught up in the way and order of this earth that there's no room for God to break in. And so it goes with us today. We too often reject God's banquet, not because of wanting to do wrong, but because of our fascination and preoccupation with the very work that is before us. So often our work becomes our idol, our God. Are we those that dismiss the king's invitation? This is no ordinary party. This is nothing less than the kingdom of God which has landed in the person of Jesus Christ who says access to the resources of heaven, the presence of God as your soul gazes on God is available now, here in part. And you will become those who are dressed in his clothing. If you read on in Matthew 22, you find that the outfit is given to everyone who enters. It's the righteousness of Christ applied to us. Now, let's look at this. Preoccupation as a response. Yeah. Or opposition. We know from the Gospels that the leading class in all of Israel was very opposed to Jesus. They wanted to wipe his name and influence off the face of the earth. This is why Jesus was killed. It was the career path of Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, when he met the living Lord on the road to Damascus. And we need to understand that God's invitation is not only disregarded by most, it's also despised by many. And those who share the king's message will suffer mistreatment and some will die. Because there are those who will oppose any kingdom that is opposed to their own. So how do we pray? The prayer for the kingdom of heaven. In verses 20, in chapter 22, 8 and 9, we hear, the wedding is ready. It's the third time that the king says it. The wedding is ready. So go into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. So that informs our prayers. When we pray, for the kingdom of heaven, we are praying that God would be opened and presented to everyone. That there is no one, no nation, no place, no person, no past history that is excluded. So we are praying for all. The servants, they went out and they found all they could find. And they were good and bad 
that entered into the banquet. Do you ever wonder if we're fit? If we're fit to be the kind of people that keep company with Jesus? Remember the first beatitude Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you find you are out of breath, if you can't do life the way you would like to do it, if you are inadequate, or if you've got a checkered past, or if you've got an uncertain future, blessed. The kingdom of heaven is open to you through the king's gracious invitation. So we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if it is done with sincerity and not pretense, it begins with us. We are asking that God would begin with us and that we're willing to be at cross purposes with the world as it currently is. So we have a question. What do we say? Thy will be done. C.S. Lewis says to us, in the end, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says, Thy will be done. <coughs> to pray this prayer is to ask for the blessing of God now so that we may invite others to be blessed so that the world might be blessed and become a mirror until that time when time ends and the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you do invite us and we pray that when we are in our prayer closets by ourselves with you, who see and know us, you would help us to pray this prayer with sincerity and to bring it and other people in our hearts to you. We bless you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.